I'd like to welcome everybody back today to Alabama Care. We had the pleasure of having Mrs. Leslie Dawson with us today. Mrs. Dawson is the Business Relations Program Manager at ADRS. And today we're going to be talking about how COVID-19 has impacted the workplace. And at this point, I'd like to hand it over. Mrs. Dawson, if you would introduce yourself. Hi, great. This is very nice to be here um, today and appreciate you having us uh, to join you. Um, I am, as you said, Leslie Dawson. I am the statewide administrator of the Business Relations Program for the uh, Alabama Department of Rehabilitation Services, and that would be the Division of Vocational Rehabilitation. And this is Mrs. Dawson's second time on a broadcast with us. The first time was at uh, the Homewood office in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, and Mrs. Dawson, how long have you been with ADRS? I've actually been with um, the agency for 27 years. I started off as a vocational rehabilitation counselor and then moved over into the business relations program probably back in 2004, 2005, and, um, and then became the state administrator in 2017. So quite a history there uh, and state administrator since 2017. Now, what exactly does the business relations program do? So, um, Within the vocational rehabilitation program, so very briefly, vocational rehabilitation is a um, program that works with um, individuals who have an injury, an illness, or a disability that uh, is preventing them from working uh, in, you know, in jobs or in a career they're um, choosing. And so the program works with individuals and helps them to acquire the skills, training, or resources needed in order to go to work. So the business relations program works in partnership with companies to learn more about what they're needing as far as skill, um, skills in their workforce, um, employees, uh, new hires, or in helping them to retain uh, current workers whose job is impacted by an injury, illness, or disability. I think it's really important to have that relationship with employers so that you can kind of uh, help how that directs the program. Because if you're teaching, you know, how to get a job for a specific uh, avenue and the employers aren't looking for that, then it's not meeting that demand there. Absolutely. Um, now, uh, how many people are served through the uh, business relations program? So, um, well, if we look at vocational rehab as a whole, because that's kind of where um, we get um, the uh, individuals that we work with. So on any given year, um, we probably work with anywhere from 20 to 25,000 Alabamians who um, have a disability. And when I talk about disability or we look at disability, um, I think it's important to mention that there is a broad range for um, what cl classifies as a disability. So um, there's a lot of programs that have a lot of different definitions of disability, but basically to qualify for the vocational rehab program, um, you have to have a um, physical or mental impairment that again, substantially limits your ability to work and um, you would benefit in terms of um, going to work if you received vocational rehab services. So that would be the eligibility for the program. And we work um, with students with disabilities all the way up until, you know, somebody's at an age where they just no longer care to work. And then again, 
the range of disability can range from learning disability to diabetes, to multiple sclerosis, hearing impairment, visual impairment, paraplegia, quadriplegia. It just, it basically just runs the gamut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are individualized services. So you guys meet with them one-on-one uh, and really go through what it looks like to help them get uh, employment there. Now you said there are, um, there are things for students. How young will you start to work with an individual? Well, we actually start working with students as early as ninth grade. Um, if they have a um, disability or a uh, impairment that is going to um, potentially have allow them to be eligible for VR services as they um, progress through their high school years. So we try to get them as early as ninth grade. We do some pre-employment um, services with them, maybe career exploration, um, just learning some basic um, etiquette, um, you know, your, your, the life skills that are needed for employment. And then as they progress through high school, then we'll bring them further into the program and provide more job specific or job training skills. And we call those transition services to transition mm-hmm. them from high school into the world of work. And that may include some short-term training after high school. It might include apprenticeship programs and, um, and even some college training after high school. Now, what do you see if um, someone has been receiving services at ninth grade when they hit the transitional services? Uh, do you see a big difference there? Um, like if I was a parent and I had a son or daughter that was a freshman in high school and I was thinking about seeing um, if you know they could get some of this employment uh, services, but I wanted to wait a little bit maybe to the transitional. Do you see that they have a better success through transitional if they start younger? Actually, yes. I, I, I firmly believe that there is a greater success because you're, you're instilling that knowledge that, hey, I'm an, a, a, a young person with a disability and there are multiple possibilities for employment for me. And so once you instill that knowledge and that desire, then you have the motivation. And then throughout the high school years, um, what we are able to do through our um, rehabilitation counselors is guide that student onto a career path that is more, you know, that is appropriate for them, that is going to open more doors and opportunities for them. Um, I, I hate to use the term realistic, but, you know, you have to be realistic at certain times. And, and, and again, it, it's what are these resources that are now available to the students we can do summer work experiences. We could do pre-apprenticeship, um, which is going ahead and looking at some employers, potential employers to hire them once they're out of high school. And then while they're working uh, through their high school years, focusing on maybe volunteering at those places of employment uh, or similar uh, areas and then doing some work experience during the summertime. Yeah, I think being, I'll say, kind of in the system or receiving services at the youngest age possible will make you more uh, flexible there, will make you more uh, readily to use those services. But also, I think you hit it on the head there is changing that mindset, you know, um, of you, you will be employed and we can start doing this. And just to see that person grow through that mindset at an earlier age will start to snowball. Uh, and that snowball keep getting bigger. And then they'll have like, well, I want to do this instead. You know? <laughs> right. 
Um, now, on the other side of that, we have individuals that are receiving services, but we also have businesses that are be, they're being connected with. How many businesses do you assist each year? We assist anywhere from 1,200 to about 1,500 Alabama businesses each year. And um, we have, um, we're located basically all over the state. And um, we have about 20 something um, local area, local offices. We work um, also out of the career centers. And so we are in those local areas. We work with the local businesses. We work with small, medium and large, um, large businesses and just uh, you know, depending on what their needs are at the time and providing some assistance to the business. Now, who would you say is one of the biggest um, employers that hire through ADRS? You know, actually, um, I would say it's your small to medium sized businesses. And um, I think the reason for that is because with a small to medium sized business, there is not a very large human resource office. And so you typically have one person that's responsible for the hiring and the benefits and, and everything that goes along with, um, you know, bringing new people on, on board. And so any assistance and additional, um, you know, services, um, incentives for hiring, things like that are, are very beneficial to businesses that are small to, to medium size. Now, we have recently seen an um, increase in the large larger businesses, especially the manufacturers, uh, the automotive industry, and the healthcare industry um, that are looking to um, expand the labor pool that they, that they draw from. And, um, and so we have seen a greater outreach uh, for mm -hmm. those size companies. I always think the best way to do it um, is to, to find somewhere you'd really like to work, find out who the gatekeeper is or the decision maker, and have a great relationship with them. Right. Uh, because if you can find that the deci decision maker, you don't have to go through a whole HR department, like you said, multiple interviews. If you really hit it off with that person that can hire you on the spot, um, then just focus on that. And that more than likely is a small to medium sized business in your local community, in your local township um, that you may know that you probably frequent. Maybe you go and eat there every week or every month. Um, and so reach out to them and start there if you want to do that. I think it's a great idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've had quite a bit happen in the last year and a half with this pandemic and COVID-19 and a lot of people staying home from work or not able to get work. And so how has COVID-19 had an impact on the business relations program at ADRS? You know, I think um, it, COVID has definitely impacted um, the business relations program just has it has Every, every place. Um, I'm, you know, thinking back to March of last year um, when um, the governor sent, you know, sent out the orders for um, safer at home and, and stay at home and, and things and, and everything just came to a halt um, for, you know, several weeks. Um, I, I think at that point in time, not only did our program, but a lot of the businesses and, and other programs around the state just kind of said, what do we do? You know, um, we can't just stay at home. You know, we still have to um, uh, assist individuals and businesses have certainly were like, you know, we, we still need to be open. So, you know, I think after that initial period of, okay, everybody stays at home and then things started to slowly come back. Um, 
I, I think that um, it it was it was very interesting. We saw I, I think the same type of pattern that a lot of people experience. So for our consumers, we saw the layoffs occur. Um, we did see hiring absolutely come to a standstill. Um, it, but, but as the manufacturers and healthcare industry, health course never closed, but as the manufacturers opened their doors and a lot of businesses started to open up that maybe just had pickup or delivery services, um, what we started to see was that um, things sort of maintained, like I'll give you an example in the automotive industry or the manufacturing industry, there was not a lot of new hiring. Uh, there were some, some layoffs of maybe temporary employees and that sort of thing, but they kept the core group of employees and they, the shift rotations were different and um, your professional positions um, saw more work from home. And um, as things picked up, um, I, th I think that um, they were still very cautious. And with our services and what we provide to businesses, one of our main um, incentives or really creative programs that we do is what we call a um, pre-hire paid work experience. And this is an opportunity for an individual with a disability to basically try out a job. And um, it's, it's also an opportunity for a business to try out a person with a disability. And, um, and in that um, connection there, um, there's not a job offer, there's not a job placement. So a lot of the business were like, you know what, we only need who we need at our job site to prevent spreading of COVID-19. And so a lot of those pre-hire work experiences came to a stop. Mm. Um, some of the services that we do, well, a lot of the services that we do with our transition students in high school also came to a stop. And that was of course for, um, you know, precautionary purposes, but those have also been very slow to start back. Um, uh, so, so we, we saw that sort of change, um, and we actually had a pretty strong work from home program. We worked with um, a couple of companies on a national level where, um, you know, the calls that you get when it's like, this call will be monitored for quality assurance. So we were working very closely with a company that hired a lot of the quality assurance folks. And, uh, when other big companies like uh, your cable companies and credit card companies, when they started working from home, they had more people to answer the phone and to do that quality assurance. So we had to actually um, help um, a lot of our consumers who had been laid off mm -hmm. find um, other work from home opportunities, <clears throat> which was great though. They had some transferable skills. So we were able to um, kind of help in that situation. I will say we uh, haven't been doing much in the past year out on the road and normally we're in person and we're starting to do that more, but the work from home was kind of nice for a few weeks, maybe to like a month. Uh, but after that, it's like, I'm ready to get back into it. But I think a lot of the agencies and businesses are very cautious because you're just not sure. It's something I've never experienced before. Uh, they say like the Spanish flu, but that was back in what, 19... 
1919 or something like yeah, 1917, way back. Yeah. Uh, so it's something that we're not familiar with and just being cautious through that. Now, you mentioned that some of the services had to kind of come to a stop there um, during that time. Did you notice that individuals that receiving services, they were quick or, or kind of picked it up right where they left off? Or did they have to step back a little bit to kind of revamp up to where they were? Actually, that's a great um, question. We have seen a drop in um, individuals coming in or needing or, or, or seeking assistance in employment. I think that that um, does have to do with the fact that the population of individuals that we work with are people with disabilities and um, certain disabilities um, are at a greater risk of, um, you know, having complications if they, you know, get COVID. And so I think that they just basically hunkered down, stayed at home, stayed well, that sort of thing. I think that with the vaccinations now um, getting out there and, and definitely the last, you know, this last push, especially for individuals with disabilities, I think we'll start to see more individuals coming and seeking employment. I think that the, um, the, the stimulus checks had an impact. I'm not gonna say that unemployment increases had an impact because we were working with individuals who were already unemployed. And so the, the unemployment increases really didn't have that much of an impact. However, I think as with the majority of the population, what we saw is that people realized, hey, you know what? The money, it's not there, whether it's income, um, that sort of thing. And they learned to do more with less. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, society as a whole cut out a lot of the fringe benefits and, um, and started bartering, you know? Uh, I know a lot of people that bartered. Hey, I can do this for you if you can do this for me. And um, <laughs> it really has turned into, I mean, you know, a bartering society right now, I think. I like and, it, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, right? Works great, um, except for employers because they're like, yeah, I can't barter, I need employees. And so I think that that's one thing that we're seeing uh, with the um, businesses that are coming to us now saying, hey, we need employees. We, we're, you know, we're desperate. And, um, and that bartering system is still going on. So, um, and, now, and I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you, I cut you off. I apologize. Oh, well, I was going to say, I think that what we will start to see now that the hospitality industry is opening back up and um, I was listening recently on the uh, news radio that, you know, the sports venues, um, they're going to start opening up. They're not going to have restrictions on the number of games or people into the stadiums. Same thing with um, vacationing. So now that that has started to open up and people are like, hmm, I might want to take a trip or go on vacation. Now they're going to need some money in the pocket. And um, so I, I think that employers are going to start seeing an increase in people coming back to work. Um, but uh, I think they will, too. I think people are kind of um, they want to get back out. They want to get to life. Uh, we'll say like normal life a year ago. Uh, and in order to do that, you have to have consistent income and be a productive member of society. I think you're going to see a lot more people joining the workforce again. Um, and speaking of the games, I, I actually went up with uh, my girlfriend and my brother to a Predators game last week. 
So we went up to Nashville and saw an ice hockey game. Uh, so they're starting to open back up again in these yeah. venues you talk about, but that costs money to get up there. So it, it does, it does. And something else I think that's interesting is, you know, when the hospitality industry came to, to halt and they, they definitely had to lay off employees. And now it's like, um, they're like hotels, especially like we've got to have employees because people are now traveling and um, they're, they're now looking for more hotel staff, housekeepers, the restaurants uh, within the hotels and places like that as well. Now, so there are jobs out there. With hiring, are you noticing that more um, people that are looking for employment are asking questions about PPE uh, regulations for an employer? They have a preference, like uh, if they're looking for employment, do they ask questions like, well, what do you guys provide for your employees for PPE? Are you having people concerned about that? Um, honestly, not, not so much. And I mm -hmm. think the reason for that is because PPE to, to, from what I've seen, it's a personal preference. Mm -hmm. So some people are like, nope, not going to wear a mask. Don't have to wear them. Not going to wear them. Right. Some people are like, I don't care. I want to wear a mask. I'm going to wear a mask. And so um, a lot of businesses are, are still requiring their employees just for their safety to have the PPE. Um, now, individuals with disabilities may require different types of um, protective equipment. Uh, maybe somebody who um, is hard of hearing or deaf will need managers or supervisors or people that communicate a lot with them. Um, may need masks that have the clear, um, you know, shield around the lips so um, that they can see the, the read, well, to read lips, which is difficult anyway, yeah. but, you know, the facial expressions and that sort of thing. And the people with respiratory illnesses are going to need to have a different type of mask. So they may ask for an accommodation um, in the type of PPE that's provided, um, but, yeah. but, yeah. Now, from an employer perspective, are, do you notice that employers are requiring people to get the COVID vaccine? Well, interesting question. So um, I've been reading some articles and there are some employers that are going to require that. Um, you know, I think um, there's even some legislation now in the state of Alabama that, um, that may impact an employer's ability to require that. Um, I, I think that more employers are looking at providing incentives for their employees. Um, I know that our agency provides incentives for um, our staff to, um, to get the vaccination. And, um, and now, um, you know, the governor has, has encouraged a lot of the other state agencies to look at what incentives can you provide uh, within the legal realm. Uh, what, you, what is an example? What would be an example of an incentive? An example of an incentive would probably, um, probably be paid time off to go get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, if somebody is experiencing, um, you know, the effects of the vaccine um, the day after, then maybe some paid time off to to do better or to recuperate. I guess you could say from those adverse reactions from the vaccine. I think that that's probably one of the biggest incentives. Um, I, I've heard of other 
uh, businesses that, you know, are giving gift cards or might be giving um, some additional bonuses uh, to employees who, who receive a vaccine. That's a great idea. I run a provider for a family member of mine, and there are some staff that do not want to get the vaccine. Uh, some of them already have their second dose, but to incentivize that, I think is a good idea. So I'm going to incorporate some of that. Yeah, yeah I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, have you noticed that uh, are there any companies that have increased hiring? Uh, we'll start first off during COVID, and then you know specific companies that may have increased right after, as we're kind of making our way through this. Sure. So, you know, during COVID, we, um, as far as an increase in hiring for COVID, uh, during COVID, um, the healthcare industry, naturally, um, a lot of the um, housekeeping, environmental services, there was an increase um, in that need, also an increase in um, individuals who would, you know, screen people coming into a business, um, you know, screen them for temperature checks, that sort of thing. Um, we did see an increase in that. Also, um, Lowe's in the Home Depot and your um, home uh, improvement stores uh, definitely saw an increase. We actually um, were able to place some people in those sorts of stores because everybody's home, you know, and they're ready to, to improve and work on their, their homes and things. Um, we, but that's probably about it as far as during COVID for the increase. But now, yes, we're definitely seeing increases now. I've read articles about the amount of um, projects that people are doing around their house and then the cost of lumber going through the roof. It's been like quadrupled or times five in the last few months. Um, and, and to be able to, well, you're at home, you know, and maybe you got a little bit more time and you're like, well, I always wanted to tinker on this thing. Uh, so you go at it, but that makes sense that maybe Home, Hose, uh, home, home Depot and Lowe's uh, were hiring a couple more there. Um, now, you said that you mentioned quite a bit, we're really hiring uh, as we're, we're getting out of this, and that's the manufacturing, the automotive. Now, when you say automotive, I recently went down to Tuscaloosa this weekend uh, and passed a Mercedes plant. That, thing, that place is huge. Yeah. Is that what you mean when you mean automotive, or do you mean smaller no, I do mean that. Yes, the automotive, the what they call the um, two and, and three tier suppliers to Mercedes. So those um, manufacturing um, locations that are, you know, literally making the parts that go on the Mercedes vehicles, mm -hmm. um, they uh, have always, of course, been um, doing production during um, COVID, but now because Mercedes is ramping up and doing more with electric vehicles and opening um, a new plant for um, the battery, uh, uh, building of the batteries for these vehicles, their suppliers are ramping up to make sure that they have uh, the workforce needed to meet um, the needs of Mercedes. And, and, and I would think, you know, that's the same, of course, for Hyundai and Honda and uh, a lot of the other manufacturers in Alabama. And, you know, the, what we're seeing is kind of a um, coming together, so to speak, of your post-COVID return to work issues. And then um, what was happening before COVID-19. And that was the increase in the workforce development system within the state of Alabama. 
And so um, back in 2016, I know that sounds like that may be a ways away, but in 2016, the federal law that kind of governs the workforce system within all the states, um, it changed into the Workforce Innovations and Opportunities Act. And so with that change, and naturally there's going to take a few years for the agencies that have to um, put these federal laws in place uh, to kind of turn the ship and, and, and make some changes within what they're doing. Um, but the focus of the federal law was to really go to those employers and say, what do you need? What, what do you need in your workforce? What kind of training do your workers need? What kind of training do new workers need to already have before they come to you? And so, so that had been in the works and the training had been established. And the new focus was, um, we're not gonna rate an agency on you know how many people you put to work. We're gonna rate the agency on how many people you train or, or, or you know, how many people that are underserved populations like individuals with disabilities or individuals who have been um, receiving um, welfare, TANF, or um, youth that have maybe dropped out of high school. So how well are you getting training for these individuals and credentials or um, skill gains? And so a lot of um, training was put in place. The employers were looking for trained individuals and it was just about to ramp up and then COVID-19 happens, right? So everything comes to a halt. They're not doing as much hiring, but now that things are starting to get a lot faster, these employers are now looking for skilled laborers. Um, on top of that, during COVID-19, especially in the central part of Alabama, you have Amazon coming in. And then you have places like Bucky's coming in and they're paying $15 an hour, right? And so they're snatching up a lot of the workforce. And so the automotive industry are like, we need the skilled laborers and we need the shift work and we need this and that. And so they are, you know, right now doing a really big push for hiring and looking for individuals who are reliable that are going to show up after they get the interview and um, and they're not gonna, what, what's that new term, ghost the employer. Yeah. So they're not gonna <laughs> yeah. just say, okay, thank you for the job and then not show up on day one. So employers are like, we'll train you. We offer apprenticeship opportunities for you um, where an employer will pay for the skill gain, you know, for you to get the skills. Um, for you to get the training. And so there's a lot of opportunities out there right now. We just need individuals with disabilities to know that, you know, vocational rehabilitation is here. We're here to connect you to these companies, to connect you to the training, to help you along, you know, what the buzz term now is career pathway. So, you know, if you have a career pathway, then you can get on and off that pathway at any given time. You could come in, get some training, work as, like, let's take the healthcare industry, work as a, um, you know, personal care attendant, and then maybe come back onto the pathway, get additional training, and maybe get work as a surgical tech or, you know, nurse, nursing assistant or 
LPN, REN, you know, those sorts of things. So, so it's a pathway that you follow to, to get to that employment. Same thing with automotive industry, hospitality industry, construction industry. There's, there's a lot of training and opportunities out there now. I will say as an employer um, with the provider business model and, and hiring caregivers for my family member, that's always one of my biggest fears is like, yeah, we found somebody that we think would be a great fit, um, but are they going to show up continually? And so we find that out in the first few weeks, first three months. Um, but once you have a great uh, team member like that, it's a lot easier to help them along that path mm -hmm. um, than trying to find somebody new. So I think that the employers are seeing that the cost of acquisition rather than uh, the cost of helping that employee mature uh, is working out in their favor when they're doing these types of trainings and right. what have you. Exactly. And, and you're seeing, uh, I imagine during the internet age and the electronic age, the skills that employers are asking for are um, very technical. And so are you seeing that uh, there's more need for basic knowledge of computers and internet literacy? Oh, yes. Yes, most definitely. Um, you know, the um, internet computer literacy, very important. Um, what else is important, though, is to know how to not just your, you know, word programs and, you know, your um, outlook, the email system that most um, businesses use, but to know how to maneuver and know that, you know, you click on this to open your next set of um, data sheets or, or things like that. So it's, it's that type of information that individuals, you know, really need to know and, and learn about. And, um, and, and, you know, there's training out there available for that, um, especially for individuals with disabilities. Our agency has um, actually a license through Microsoft that we can offer some free training online so someone can do it from their home and um, get them trained to increase their skills on computer literacy, the internet, uh, and then your basic um, you know, processing uh, software. Yeah, I feel like it was a year ago, everyone was really nervous to get on a video uh, production like this. And everyone's like, now nah, we'll do it over the phone or a chain of emails. And now everyone knows the word Zoom, like, yeah, we'll just do it through a Zoom. Right, and exactly. so continuing to learn there. Um, yeah, we, now, we Zoom with our consumers. So um, instead of them coming into the office, we'll Zoom with them and do interviews and some job skill training. I mean, well, not job skills, but, you know, interview skills, um, just, you know, career development, your soft skills, those sorts of things. So we utilize Zoom a lot with our our consumers as well. I had a virtual doctor's appointment. I was, yes. I was yeah. like, I actually want to come into the office next time. I wanted some blood work drawn, my normal <laughs> right. physical. Right. But it's amazing what you can do with mm -hmm. this this new tech. Now, does ADRS um, contract out uh, some of these services? Like if um, like for an is if you are familiar with Isable. Um. And Lorenzo Brown. Yes, yes, yes. And so we do. Um, we because you know, we work with so many individuals uh, in any given year, we do partner, we call them um, community rehabilitation partners. Um, and <clears throat> so those are entities, nonprofits that we work very closely with, to help us in providing a lot of services to our consumers. Some may be job readiness training, um, that soft skill training that I was talking to you about, um, some career exploration um, 
certainly some job development, job placement um, assistance, and then um, also for providing services to our um, students that are in high school, um, our transition services. So yes, we do partner um, with, with local. So the name threw me off because, you know, there, there's a lot of different names throughout the state. Um, but yes, so I do know Lorenzo, great guy. I am going to put a little plug for Mr. Brown and his able. Um, they do a monthly broadcast with us and my family member has gone to a, uh, their weekly social skills class. And so if you're in the Birmingham area and looking for some of those computer skills, they have a great computer lab uh, where they can kind of teach you how to get around that. So, yeah. Um, and if you could talk a little bit about post-COVID syndrome, and this is new to me, post-COVID syndrome are what is being termed COVID long haulers. Mm -hmm. I've never heard those two terms before. Okay, so yes, um, this is something that we're seeing um, is starting to trickle in within our state. Now we are also seeing it across the nation, hearing um, stories about the um, effects of post-COVID or the long hauler syndrome. And, and basically for individuals who um, really had a very hard time um, with COVID-19. So these are individuals who, you know, had the pneumonia. Um, maybe they had some very odd symptoms, balance issues. Um, we've, we've, we've seen individuals who have now developed visual impairments and hearing impairments, long-term uh, limitations from having had COVID. And so that would be the COVID-19 syndrome or the long haulers. And um, it, it's still so new. It's mm -hmm. like they don't, they're still looking at, is this going to be a long-term thing for somebody or is it going to um, eventually get better? So somebody who perhaps had um, COVID-19 and pneumonia and had to go into the hospital and was in the ICU and maybe they were put on a ventilator or um, a BiPAP machine where they bypassed um, and you know the machine did the breathing for the person. So that in and of itself um, can cause a lot of um, uh, like your body's fatigue, not right mm -hmm. yeah. fatigue respiratory issues and then they also call it um, brain fog um, or, or the COVID fog. And, and a lot of people actually have had the COVID fog without having been in, in the hospital. I mean, I had COVID in December and I had a very mild case. Uh, I, I was very blessed. Um, but I do know that when I returned to work, um, it, I, I, it, my thoughts were jumbled. And so I literally had to just you know, I probably talked everybody's ear off. I'm a talker anyway, but I did better speaking everything instead of trying to think it through in my brain. I had to speak it out for a long time for those synapses to kick back in. And so who knows why that happens, but um, we're seeing that as well, the brain fog that goes along with COVID. So we're, we're seeing a multi multiple things um, from post-COVID. Now, when I first read those two uh, phrases, does that, I, I thought of the physical things there, um, the long haulers, but is there also a mental aspect of somebody, is it addressing that as well? Well, you know, yes and no. So post-COVID or the long haulers or long COVID, 
is another term for it. Those are individuals who literally COVID-19 impacted their body in some okay. way. And again, it could be mentally, it could be um, the, the brain fog, um, it could be the balance, the breathing, um, that sort of thing. But you know what we're also seeing are some, um, I guess, um, additional impact of COVID-19 for some individuals. So when we talk about mental health issues, um, we, we tend, well, what we're seeing, or, or, or I know just people I personally know that we're sent home to work. Okay. So the corp that, you know, maybe have been professional positions or their office type work that could be done from home. And, and they were sent home to work and they're still at home working. So they went from a very social environment to going to home. Mm -hmm. And that has caused quite a bit of depression. Yeah. And I mean, they're still getting, you know, their salary and their income, but it's that lack of social, um, you know, socialism uh, that, that happens at work. When, We're when social we, beings. We need absolutely, that interaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, some of the other things that um, we're kind of seeing as a result are individuals who may have lost their job, they lost their health insurance. Maybe, um, you know, there's an incident. Now, this is from another state, but, you know, a gentleman who had um, type 2 diabetes and he lost his, his ability to get his medication. And so his diabetes just went haywire and the neuropathy kicked in and he has now had to have, um, you know, part of his leg amputated. So you see the long- Even though he may not have had COVID, right. the, the impact but, of COVID on his lifestyle. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, um, there, there was another story of, um, you know, individuals being that are working from home and you're not driving to and from work anymore. So maybe you're now off the clock and you're just going to have a little toddy, you know, a little drink a to relax, toddy. right? So one drink turns into two drinks and into three drinks. And now you have somebody who has developed an alcohol, you know, a, a problem with alcohol or, you know, maybe some other substance abuse because, you know, not at work, not drinking on the job or, you know, other, you know, drugs or, or whatnot. So we're, it's not, you know, just everywhere, but it is some interesting um, side effects, I guess you could say, yeah. of COVID-19 in general, that um, I think we all need to be aware of just for our friends and family, but employers need to be aware of as well. So if you're starting to bring your workforce back, you know, back into the office, um, then if you see some changes in behavior, that, that, that might be some pay attention to it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody, um, you know, at the highest levels did absolutely everything that they could for this pandemic. It was new to a lot of people. Most people have never gone through that thing in their lifetime. Um, but I'm really interested to see what 10, 25 year, uh, studies come out with, you know, versus, we were able to get the vaccine out. This is also the mental health aspect that we didn't pay attention to. There were 10 year gaps there that we really need to do. So I think those studies are going to be really interesting to read uh, down the line. I agree with you. I think um, youth employment has definitely been affected. Um, you know, most youth 
um, go to work in your hospitality industries, in your retail industry, and, and that just basically slowed down. I think another thing that is going to be interesting is, you know, the number, the huge number of retirements that we have seen, because again, people are like, hey, I, I really like being at home, you know, <laughs> and so I can retire, I'm going to retire. And so now you're going to have a lot more younger people coming into the workforce, you've lost that long term knowledge base, and it will take several years to to build back up to the knowledge and um, skill that um, that goes when people retire. So I think as an employer, you're going to have to invest pretty heavy in training right now because you don't have that senior management. They're right. they're kind of out the door right now. Um, we're also going to see cases. Could we jump here? So, how do you feel about? Um, you think enough people are getting vaccinated in different demographics? You know. Um, I, I, I don't think so. Uh, yeah. I, I will be honest. Um, people are not getting the vaccine for whatever reasons. Now, individuals with disabilities, um, there is that true uh, concern that um, you know the vaccine may exacerbate the disability. Um, they may be more prone to having side effects and, and that sort of thing. Um, I think that the younger generation, the population, your college students, um, they're not, you know, opting for the vaccination as well. So there's still going to be that risk of um, the spread of COVID-19 um, in the workplace um, when uh, everybody starts coming back into the office. So universal precautions are still going to be there. You're still going to have to have the PPE, uh, various things like that. And because of that, you're still going to have individuals with disabilities hesitant to, to be back at work. I was, uh, I'll be honest, I was a little bit hesitant to get my vaccine right off the bat. Um, but I've got my first one. I've got my second one actually tomorrow. Uh, awesome. And then I'm, it's a week or two after that and then should be good. I, I hope that that's it and that we don't have to get one every six months, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I keep hearing, so. you know, the next thing we hear right now is India and there's a huge outbreak and, mm -hmm. um, you know, restricting traveling. And then my mind kind of goes, well, if we've already got the vaccine, then we don't have to worry about it. But is it something new that the vaccine's not able to attack a new right. variant? So it, I just hope we get out of this. We don't have to think about it. <laughs> will it become just like the flu you know who, who who knows and you know that yep you just get your shot every year that's right um well as we kind of come to a close today is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think um an individual that's seeking employment or a family member um that has a, a child in high school uh could really benefit from hearing you know, I would um, encourage um, any listeners out there who are looking for um, activities or events or things to do to, um, you know, give us a call. Um, we, we're online. Um, we're also um, uh, have, a, you know, our, the number to our state office. I can give that out if we need that. Please do um, that and then we'll go ahead and put it in chat. Okay, great. So it's 334-293-7500. And um, that, you know, basically just gets you to the state office and we can, you know, find out from where you, where you live, connect you, 
locally. Um, do that through our website as well. And um, just Google ADRS, Alabama Department of Rehabilitation Services, and it'll pull us up. We have a YouTube channel um, with a lot of um, stories and, and resources on there as well. If you're a business and you're looking for assistance in you know, recruiting and hiring, or you know, maybe retaining somebody who has post-COVID syndrome, or maybe looking at needing to accommodate an individual with a disability to reduce the threat of exposure for um, COVID-19. Those are sorts of things that we can do to assist as well. So I encourage you to reach out, um, definitely um, touch base with us and um, you know, we're glad to assist any way that we can with, with, with anything. Um, you know, a lot of companies are doing uh, virtual job fairs and um, connecting, they're, they're doing video interviews, various things like that. And so we can, we can get connected with that. So you guys have been up and running this entire time. And um, now as everyone's starting to get their vaccine, you guys are really ramping it up and, and kind of helping those individuals get back up to where they were and those, uh, those companies get back to where they were and where they want to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we really appreciate you having, uh, you know, spending time with us this morning and informing us of what's going on in the state. A lot of this I, I didn't know or didn't think of. Uh, it's just out of my realm. Uh, so I appreciate you spreading the knowledge. More than happy to anytime. anytime. And if any, every, anything else changes, we're going to have to reach out and see if you'll come back on and notify us. I'll be glad to. Absolutely. <laughs> no problem at all. Oh, um, Mrs. Dawson, at this point, on behalf of the Alabama Care Community, I'd like to say thank you once again, and we wish you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for what y'all do. All right. See you next time. Okay. Bye. Right, bye.